Well, hello, friends, neighbors, and the ships at sea. We welcome you back again this week. This is Rick Wagner here trying to get it right. Your political Viking fighting a, a hopefully an uphill but still successful battle against wrong. There's so much wrong in the world. You can listen to us, and you probably are, at KNZZ 1100 or 92.7 on the FM. And if you're at KGLN, you're listening to us at 980 and 101.3 on the FM. So we thank you very much. Uh, another interesting week. I mean, just when you thought that you had as low opinion as possible about what happens in Congress, you know, that it goes under it. You know, it's uh, the limbo bar has been set on the ground, and they still can manage to get under it. What is the old saying someone said a long time ago that uh, – They've set the bar so low that a snake wearing a top hat could still get under it. <laughs> I don't know why I've remembered that, but that uh, seems appropriate. So here we are. You know, I'm not going to discuss the outcomes and what's going on with the speaker craziness. We can discuss that when at all, when we know more about what's going on than what you've heard a dozen times if you've been listening to cable news. I don't want to reiterate that. I have gotten a lot of interesting comments about this, uh, Interaction, what was it, Wednesday night between Hannity and our own Lauren Boebert and kind of a generalized opinion from both sides of uh, the, I don't want to say aisle because uh, we're supposedly all Republicans there, about this whole mess. And it's very interesting to me how both sides of the argument about holding things up and the whole thing was, is Something I can see. I think many of you can, too. I'm not a fan of looking farcical in public that way. Unfortunately, that's where the system goes. I also understand that there's, that there are people there who, you know, have a, have a bona fide, really deep-seated idea about trying to get the rules to the point where some of the craziness can be stopped. Bearing in mind, you make all the rules you want to, and even if the people who are going to become the speaker and the majority leader and all those want to adhere to them, the second that you lose control of the House, all those rules go out the window. Poof, they're gone. So you need to conduct yourself in a way that not only do you get some of the rules changed that you like, but you present an image that will make people want to vote for you again and keep you in control of the House. That's my feeling. And I think how that how people go about that is something that people can differ over. I thought the exchange with Hannity and Bobert was kind of interesting. Uh, I, you know, I I just I don't like to hear someone not come up with solutions. And I felt like that Hannity had pressed um, Congresswoman Bobert and. There was some rhetoric there, but I'm a little concerned about what I'd heard at the time. Now, obviously, things change and this and that, but it was it was not a good-looking situation for either one of them, and I don't think that people came off looking particularly well from that. I've got all sorts of opinions out there based on that interview, things that have happened. It's fascinating to look at everybody's opinions, you know, how they feel about it, and I feel torn, really. Uh, I don't find Kevin McCarthy a particularly good speaker. I don't think he's uh, the kind of guy that uh, is really what we would call a true conservative. Uh, you know, he's he's has a little touch of that, uh, you know, that Romney, 
uh, Rockefeller kind of thing to him. Not as much, obviously, as, you know, Mitt Romney, <laughs> someone like that. But I think people are legitimately worried about that. But And at the same time, you know, you got Hakeem Jeffries on the other side over there from the Democrats voting kind of in lockstep and then kind of making fun of everybody and then offering, this, well, maybe we could craft a deal. Yeah, we want to craft a deal with you. So, But I don't want to go over too much of that stuff. I can say that the main thing I wanted to convey is there was a lot of attention being paid to this across Western Colorado and Eastern Utah, and I received a lot of feedback all over the place about how they felt about it. So I, I don't think that there was a really uh, majority feeling about what was going on, although I was starting to get uh, the feeling that obviously people wanted it to stop. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to talk any more about that because you guys will sort through that when we have cleared away the onion peel a little bit more to see what really was said and done, and we'll know more about that later, as is often the case with these things. You find out later what you should have known to begin with, and that doesn't just come from Democrats. It comes from everybody in politics. But I, I thought I wanted to uh, bring up something, too, on this economy, because I, I did a lot of uh, reading in my spare time in the evenings at night when I should be probably sleeping, and I, I just wanted to highlight a few things. And we've talked about before how we cannot get a grip on inflation and have the Fed stop raising interest rates or once they raise them to a certain point, keeping them high until, of course, we have some sort of, I think, serious downward spiral of inflation. Now, their benchmark that they want to hit is 2%. Now, remember, inflation is cumulative. So if everything's 2% more this year, then it's 2% more than that 2% the next year. So it's not like it's a static number. And so you want to keep it small because there's no question that if you're looking at a recession, as bad as it is, it does not seem as though historically that it is going to be nearly as bad as runaway inflation. As we know, runaway inflation has cratered economies, it has changed governments, it has changed the face of uh, all sorts of uh, companies, the way that they do business because they cannot keep up with it, they've caused, caused mergers, layoffs, all kinds of crazy things. It's very disruptive. A recession is also disruptive and sad for everybody, but we're trying to get money out of circulation so that the overabundance of money, and I'm sure you don't feel like you have an overabundance of money, but the overabundance of abundance of money that's out there has to be extracted or at least stopped until the economy's production can catch up with it. Because right now it's just money chasing the same amount of goods. So we have to do something. And unfortunately, what they're looking for is, if you've been following this at all, is they're looking for some high unemployment numbers and they're not getting them. Now, one of the things that bothered me, and you may have seen this story as well, is that in the third quarter, jobless numbers the unemployment numbers that came out. Now, there's two or three levels of this, by the way. There's not just the jobless numbers. There is a labor participation rate, which is something I pay more attention to, actually, than jobless numbers, and a couple other indices of employment. Well, the Commerce Department is supposed to give us accurate numbers about the jobs created. The third quarter job numbers, you may have seen the story, as I said, 
were revised down by like a million jobs. Oops. We've talked about this before, is that that's a big problem because not only is it possibly a lie or at least remarkably bad uh, performance at someone's job, but it just happens to help Joe Biden at the time, which he crowed about all the job creation and all this and that. So he gets to crow about something that isn't actually happening. And to make it worse, and in fact, much worse, those job numbers get relied upon by the Fed when they're trying to make their decisions about interest rates and how big the hike should be at the time. And so it, it influences their decision-making. And when it's, in fact, at least incorrect, and we'll use the word incorrect just to be polite, uh, it's a big problem for steering the economy if you're the Fed. Now, the Fed is really only supposed to do one thing, and that's control inflation. And every time I talk about the Fed and, and that they're doing probably the right things now, I don't want to let them off the hook because they did the wrong thing for a year and a half. They kept interest rates artificially low, and they bought the, the nation's own bonds with federal money to keep the bond rates low. So they tried to keep the economy running hot. I think the only reason is to help somebody's electoral possibilities. And because of doing that, it caused a lot of problems. So they're not off the hook here. Now they're, look, they're trying to look like, oh, we're doing the right thing now. Yes, but you're a big contributor to the problem. We see a lot of contributors to the problem. And if you're in government, that pretty much stamps you as being a contributor. I'll be right back. Okay, okay. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. Rick Wagner here, getting it right. Political Viking fighting away as best I can. And I can only do a little bit, I realize. And you guys are the solution. Nobody on the radio or the TV or any place else or some politician, even somebody we really like, they can't solve the problems. We do. We have to put the right people in office, and we have to insist on the right policies, and we're going to move those people. And we have to watch everything, including every school board election, every municipal election. I've, where I'm at, I've seen some people announcing for the school board, and I, I mean, rather the city council, and I have some questions. So I'm going to be exploring those in the next week, and as you should. Who are these people? What do you know about them? They're going to affect everything you do. Do not kid yourself. They pay the sales tax. Every time you go to the store, you're going to pay something. Everything they do is going to affect you. Every pothole that doesn't get repaired is going to affect you. Every time somebody tries to do development and build houses and they want to extract money out of that, you need to know if it's sensible because eventually you're going to be paying for that if you want a new house. You want to make sure that things make sense and that they're not just another way to accumulate money and power and do things that increase their own ego. Let's face it, a lot of people get involved in politics for their ego. That's fine if their ego points them in a direction that helps us. I don't care if it makes them feel good about themselves. If it doesn't point them in a direction that helps us, then we need to get them out of there. They can go find something else to do that makes them feel good about themselves. I don't know, uh, spray paint themselves and roll on a canvas and try and sell it. They can do that. I mean, look, we, we can follow the Hunter Biden novel, uh, rather, example of how to make money. You know, there's a lot of different ways. So with that in mind, let me quote a little Latin from one of our you know, favorite phrases that I keep up here in front of me from the Roman historian Tacitus. Cupido dominande cuntus abafetebus flagrantior est. Lust of absolute power is more burning than all the possessions, than all the passions. Yeah, it should be obvious. Good to be reminded of that. Good to know that it's always been that way and probably will always will. So what are we all going to do here? Well, I told you what I think about the local stuff, and I will just keep saying that in ad infinitum until... 
you know, uh, I'll just, I'm going to keep saying it because it never loses its importance. But there is a lot of craziness out there that's kind of, it's kind of fun to talk about. Um, now, of course, I was very interested in something I posted on the website. By the way, you can look at a lot of our stories and a ton of other stuff that, you know, updates throughout the day by going to our website, the rickwagnershow.com, the rickwagnershow.com or politicalviking.com since we, uh, use that for our social media out there and read some of the stories. Now, one of them I put up there that was just darned interesting to me was an enormous Viking hall was unearthed in Denmark. Because, you know, we're very interested in everything Viking here. So that was kind of cool. I mean, sometimes we have to wean ourselves away from the day-to-day because it's depressing. We need to realize that in the broad spectrum of history, in the arc of time, that we are just moving along it in a little tiny bubble. And it helps us with our perspective and realize that we have to break away from this stuff sometimes and cleanse our palate. Whether that's through listening to music, uh, reading history like I try and do, and some novels, or watching some crazy thing on TV. And you know, I've I've suggested to you folks, if you have it out there, go to one of these channels that has some old shows on it. Watch the old, some old Dick Van Dyke episodes or Gunsmoke or something. Something that is completely removed from what's going on today. And just try and enjoy it. And do not do what I do sometimes and look at it and say, well, that would never go today. Or they couldn't make that today. You know, because then I'm, now I'm interjecting today's politics and things. Find something that you enjoy, that you can cleanse your palate with. It has nothing to do with the craziness that's going on today. So, speaking of craziness that's going on today, uh, I wanted to bring one of these. <laughs> because I think that it is, there is an endless quest for victimhood in our society these days. Somehow, everyone wishes to acquire the status of a victim because what we've discovered is that being a victim in this society gives you enormous power. And making yourself part of some class of victims is what really gives you power, not just a victim in general. I mean, there's many people out there that are legitimate victims of crime and all sorts of things that, geez, they should have power. They should have power in the system. We should acknowledge what happened to them and things like that. But trying to create a class of victimhood and put yourself into it seems to be a very prosperous industry in America today. And it's not healthy in any sense of the word for the body politic. And this was, uh, I can't remember which, where we got This is on the website, and uh, it, yeah, I believe it might be from the New York Post. But writer calls for anti-fat bias training. Don't we have enough uh, diversity, equity, exclusion, and inclusiveness and exclusiveness of people we don't like and uh, pronouns and uh, all that stuff. Don't we have enough of that training going on? Apparently not. Now we know to include anti-fat bias training because it, the writer says that it's triggering workplace health programs is rather the, is what bothers this writer. And I put a little quote here. The author suggested that fat Americans should be one of the groups included in diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, which as I've mentioned before, it should be diversity inclusion and equity, because the, the rather the uh, short version of that should stand for die, rather, just because that's what happens to society to spend all their time being obsessed with that. So I read, the, read through it, and once again, it is a pitch for a class of victimhood that, because they're triggered now, this person is, is because every year, the first part of the year, the workplace many times sends out emails and things like that, encouraging people to lose weight and exercise and be more healthy 
And this just bothers them. It triggers them. It does all sorts of problems because they don't like it. And they think that it makes them feel bad. And because anything that makes anyone feel bad automatically, without even an understanding of why it makes them feel bad, or if it should, they acquire some halo of victimhood, especially if that halo is generated from a class that is being created out there. Um, you know, before we've, we've seen this, uh, that uh, in the last uh, month or so, that fitness, exercise, and these things uh, are racist. Now, we've talked about that. There's another person that, you know, went out on a limb, then went further out on the limb, went out on a, on a branch, stood on a twig, and you know, this is what they came up with. Uh, you know, by stretching themselves to the very limits to say, this is the twisted mechanism how I make the idea that people should exercise as being racist. Because, of course, everything is racist, sexist, homophobic. It's either an ism or an ist or a phobia. Even though we don't use phobia right anymore. Phobia, of course, as we discussed, means fear. Doesn't mean that you don't like it. It means you're afraid of it. We have, the language is just, it's, it's off the rails now. And of course, the left has discovered that if you control the language and either change the meaning of words and stifle people who say certain words or have certain opinions that five years ago were deemed to be non-controversial, then they can control the populace. And it seems to be working pretty well for them, actually. Uh, maybe we're missing out on something here, but it's, he does seem to be working pretty well. Um, so <laughs> I also had a story up. I was going back here through some notes here that you guys should, should check out. Two stories that have a Colorado connection to them where I'm at. For those who are listening on podcasts and the ships at sea and so place, uh, you know, in Colorado here. And one of them is uh, that, I don't know, this is just, Colorado is sending um, some of the, what we would call illegal aliens, or they're just referred to in the media at best as migrants. Um, I don't know if they're elk that they're talking about, you know, migratory. I mean, it's, what are they really? I mean, they're in the country. They're not in there here legally. So could we call them illegal migrants? I don't know. Anyway, it's still migrants. And... Polis has been sending some of these migrants that have started showing up in Denver to sanctuary cities. Now, this is part of Polis's effort to try and make himself look like a libertarian or, you know, some kind of weird. The thing about Polis that we don't ever really capitalize on is he doesn't like criticism. He tries to stay out of the fray. Now, he signs every wacky, left-wing, goofy thing out there on the planet that gets put in front of him by the legislature, but he'd like to convey the idea that, you know, I'm kind of a moderate. I'm going to be a libertarian. So this is all part of that. Also, we're starting to get illegal aliens that are showing up in cities all on their own. They're not getting sent here by Governor Abbott or anything else. They're just showing up because there's going to be enough of them that they're pushing into other cities like Denver. And so he's decided to bust them to, you know, Philadelphia, New York, and places like that. Well, New York is complaining uh, this is just unfair for local governments to have to take on this national obligation. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that celebu mayor, Eric Adams, who has done almost as bad a job as de Blasio. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a second, but he's not that far behind. Uh, this is, he's just, he's useless. He's annoying. He sees himself much smarter and much more capable than he's ever proven to be in it, doing anything, really, apparently. And so we are. But 
that story, which was interesting, and I put this up, I said it's from Politico, you know, which is the one of the official mouthpieces of the Democratic National Committee, um, and it involves two Democrat governors, and I said governors, and I meant say because they're the governor of New York, Hochul, is also involved in it, not liking this, but it's really a Democrat uh, governor and a Democrat mayor. But um, it's still crazy to see that, isn't it? So, And then there's one that is especially good, is that they're closing the Boulder Public Library for a while to clean out the, the uh, air conditioning and heating ducts because when they went to clean them out, they found that they were full of meth residue from people smoking meth in the library. Great. Remember when you could send your kids to the library because it was a safe place? Okay, everybody, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us around the horn down there. It's Rick Wagner getting it right here on KNZZ, KGLN. We are all over West Colorado and Eastern Utah. And, of course, we are on the Internet, and uh, we can't forget the ships at sea and uh, our podcasts. So, which you can download at the uh, at the website at therickwagnershow.com. And uh, we're on uh, Facebook at politicalviking.com. And, you know, I mean, everybody lists all their sites and this and that now. I Someone help me with that because I can't keep up with it. And I don't do it very well. So <laughs> have somebody help. Listen, as most of you know, if you listen much, I'm I'm constantly complaining and cajoling everybody that we need to start focusing on not just we can't turn our back on national politics. And that, that's what we should talk about a fair amount because it does affect us and more directly than it should. There was a day, if you can imagine, when the federal government didn't have that much effect on us. I know it's funny. It's like really ancient history, like maybe the time of the Egyptians or something, you know, the 50s and 60s back then. And uh, I don't mean the uh, 50s and 60s B.C. I mean like uh, 1950s and 60s. And so we have to pay attention to that. But I I was talking to uh, someone that, that we've had on a couple of years ago who I just think is really uh, thoughtful and insightful. Lives up in Quebec and, uh, you know... And but is got a business and I think a smart guy, heavily involved in politics. And I want to talk a little with him about what we're doing, what we need to do locally and how we need to think about things. I wanted to reach out to somebody like that. And I always mispronounce your name. So just introduce yourself. OK. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Yeah, I'm Alden Savoka. Yeah, I, I get I get the last name messed up every time I try and right. try and pronounce it. I want to make an F. Everybody in, does. It's Italian, you know. Yeah, I want to put, say Safoka as in an F every time. And I don't know why. Uh-huh. So, I mean, when I hear you say it, I, I, oh, yeah, that's the way I say it. And then I remember how I mispronounce it. So uh, I don't know about the rest of you out there. But if I get a name in my head wrong, it's like you can correct me. I'll go, oh, okay. And then five minutes later, I'll say it wrong again. Uh, Alden, I, you know, we yep. talked in the past about some of the things. And, and I think you're a good guest. I need to keep you on more. You're pretty busy. Uh, many of us are. Many of the listeners are out there. That's part of the problem is, is people on the right usually are busy. They have jobs. They have families that they're interested in taking care of, and uh, they don't spend all their day trying ways to be offended and attack someone and or try and get money from somebody because they're offended or should be offended or someone did something offensive uh, at some other point that they seem to be able to reach back to. I'm a little disturbed by these constant lawsuits I keep seeing coming up against people from things that happened 30 and 40 years ago. Some of them may be bona fide and uh, need to be rectified, but at some point, it's pretty hard to be accused of something that happened 45 years ago <laughs> and, uh, and be able to say uh-huh. much about it. But anyway, so, and we were talking a little bit off the air earlier uh, about, you know, what's going on and 
How do you feel about the state legislature and what they've been doing this last, let's say, three years? Right. Well, thanks for having me back, Rick. It's always good to talk to you. And, yeah, we should do it more. I always enjoy this a lot. Um, but, yeah, the, the legislature is obviously out of control now because it's completely run by uh, Democrats, and um, they are just expanding their majorities now. Um, and, you know, they uh, are real. I mean, the, the Jared Bullis is actually, I mean, surprisingly, um, you know, probably the best check the Democrats have on anything. Because every now and then, you know, he's like, nah, you know, I won't sign that or I won't go along with that. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's really, you know, sad that that's the only the only hope that we have anymore. Yeah, I really but don't remember him the, doing uh, that, but I guess he has. Uh, nothing that I regard as there's been some pretty onerous stuff coming out. I guess he's tempered a little bit from time to time. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, like he, he supports things like, you know, like reducing the income tax rate and just, I mean, he, he's, he's awful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like defending him, but it, that's the only, the only hope that I see is that something he might be like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to do that. He's, he's one of those strange, you know, libertarian types almost who occasionally won't go along with something just because. You know, he's a little bit libertarian. He's got a libertarian streak. But, well, yeah, he, cl- you know, he claims they're, they're to. Happening. I'm not sure that that is, yeah. is actual. I mean, I think it's more like a, uh, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing sometimes because, you know, destroying my freedoms in the name of is really a libertarian point of view. Not even let me choose what bags I put my groceries in uh, is not a particular libertarian point of view. And he uh, got his hot little pen out and signed that. And that I actually think that's something that will maybe for once help galvanize people because so many of the things that have happened are a little creeping and they just appear. This is something that's, you know, unlike our, for instance, our energy bill. We're up, I don't know, 20, 27% on the cost of energy in Colorado. And uh, people right. keep telling me, oh, I can't believe my power bill. Well, yeah, the legislature did that to you, mm-hmm. you know, that they, and the PUC, which has been a weaponized, uh, what used to be a regulatory agency to help prevent you being overcharged by a monopoly to a uh, it, it's now a a arm of the climate change people and there you go so I'm hoping that when they go to the store and they don't see any bags or the bags they see they got to pay for now I went into Walmart the other day they don't have any and if you've been there recently right. they just removed them they don't have any bags because they can't yep. figure out a way to charge you for them so they're just not putting any out. And you can buy one of theirs, or you can bring your own. And you can be a little bit like a peasant. If you'd like to know what it was like to live in the, I don't know, 18th century or something, and trudging down the road in your, in your shoes that you resold eight or nine times, and uh, with your burlap sack and your food in it, that you get a little slice of that now. Well, that'd be great. You know, it's 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 sort of like living in one of those towns you go to. You know, where it's like living in the past. You get to tour it, and they churn butter and stuff. We'll get to live like that soon. So that's yeah, that's uh, a problem. I don't I don't know what's going to change either. You know, I, the 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 problem in my view because you know Colorado did kind of used to be a borderline uh, red state. You know, like we have close elections. We 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 had control of the legislature. You know, ten years ago, or I mean, control of at least one house. I forget when we lost each of them, but you know, we've had control of the senators recently, as a few cycles ago. So you know, this is something that um, is obviously being caused by inward you know migration into colorado from other states like california 
probably uh, most of all. And, you know, um, lots of states have bans on plastic bags and, you know, just tyranny out the wazoo and uh, incremental control of most ridiculous things in your life, like what, you know, shopping bags at the grocery store. And it hasn't changed people in these states where this stuff has happened. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it'll make the it'll make the freedom loving people mad. It'll make the people who, you know, know this is all bunk mad. I mean, it's it, you know the two things you've been talking about here of of you know outrageous spending of money, basically people living off of government and people who, um, you know, are just obsessed with this radical left agenda. You know, it's being driven by. Um, basically people's religion you know this is this is the new version of humanism which is you know man-made religion and people decided that they're going to worship everything other than god you know they worship the earth they worship themselves they worship animals they worship uh you know um racial uh differences um and they set up gods for themselves and you know force this religion on everyone else so they're like you know diehard this isn't going to change them. Like they're, they're willing to put up with a little bit of pain for their religion because it is their religion now. And so it's not as much of a, you know, they're not going to complain about it as much. Cause you know, they think by not having plastic bags, that they're saving dolphins in the Gulf or, I mean, you know, off California somewhere. They're, they're, they're totally sold on it. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's not, so great. I don't it's know great. if it's going to change them that much. It's, it's not great science. The linkage between a lot of these things and, what they do for policy is not usually very strong, but it, it's enough. And I agree. I mean, if, right. if I wish if they weren't going to worship God, they, they maybe they be better to worship dogs and cats. I mean, uh, they're better critters, and uh, they're at least pure of heart. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that they'll be that would be far ahead of the ones they seem to be worshiping. I'll tell you, uh, miles in some instances. Mm-hmm. I agree that we have an influx, and it certainly affected things. But a lot of it is organization and money. I mean, you may recall when we started losing, you know, it was 2012. That was a long time ago, but uh, it was all part of the Gang of Four, of which Polis was one at the time, where they uh, set a blueprint out. You may remember, there's a book about that, and uh, by what used to be a former uh, state uh, politician, and that, you know, mm-hmm. Pat Stryker, Polis, and a couple other people who are, uh, you know, 100 millionaires got together and realized that if they targeted a lot of these races, especially sort of towards the last 30% of the of the race, with an influx of money, uh, not a lot of money, but a lot of money for that race, you know, dump $25,000 into, you know, a uh, state reps race that where both sides are usually spending about $25,000 the last minute and uh, carpet bomb the other person with media that they'd never, nobody'd seen races like that before. They started doing that. And uh, it was very effective. And uh, shortly after that, uh, we lost, uh, you know, House Representatives. And mm-hmm. we were we were in a good position this last time to try and make an inroad back in the state Senate, at least get one House back. And instead, uh, everybody went 20 different directions, like you kicked the door of a chicken coop open and all Republicans ran out in different directions. And we lost Senate seats. Um, so, I yeah. mean, something else has to be going on. And if you look at places that are pretty stalwart, like Delta County and to some extent even Mesa County, 
I mean, our numbers in terms of Republican voters who in, in the election, the percentages have stayed pretty solid. I mean, we turned out, you know, I want to say 63% or something like that, maybe a little higher for Trump. And, you know, we had a couple of folks in Mesa County that got, you know, in the high 60s as uh, Republican, and there were Democrat candidates running against them. So uh, it, it's not, and a lot of the de- Democrats that I see moving here from California and places, they may stay Democrats or they may be independents or some of them even change parties. They're a lot more economic refugees than there used to be. I mean, I saw a lot of people moving here who are retiring on these huge government pensions out of California. Uh, it's, it's amazing. You could live in a town <clears throat> a town that has like 30,000 people in it and retire as a deputy chief in the fire department or something with a $100,000 a year pension from the state. And those people were stayed liberal and came here because they thought it was cheaper and a nice place to live. But now I'm starting to see people show up who are just they're just beaten down. So they may have been Democrats at some point, and they, they may bring some of their values, but I don't think it's as bad. I think you're right that people who are moving here to, like, Mesa County are probably economic refugees and are probably, you know, Republicans. But I think the people who are moving to the heavily blue areas, you know, because it's, people are so much more aware of it now, you know, like Republican families don't want to move to a blue area um, for many reasons, quality of life, schools, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so they don't move to those areas. Um, I think that just because of how blue the blue areas are getting in Colorado, the only explanation is that you have inward migration. I think Colorado is a little bit of an exception to other states like maybe Nevada, where I think, people, you know, Republicans are fleeing California and it's not really getting that much bluer yet because I think they're, you know, truly uh, refugees. People coming to Colorado, it's still a beautiful state, kind of like California. It, you know, the cost of living isn't that bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, a pretty not ruined totally yet California. So I think liberals really want to move here. And then on top of that, you know, if you if you can't find any other explanation, I would say legal immigration and the and the combined impact of that because you know, obviously people not yet anyway for the most part who move come here illegally are able to vote. But when you have illegal aliens here for 18 years, then whoever they you know what whatever kid they had when they first moved here, they're voting now and you know. 40 years, you know, you've got a lot of kids who, you know, lots and lots of growth. Well, um, that's true. And I do think that what you're, that what you're talking about is we're seeing a, a an interesting, historically interesting tendencies towards self-selection, where we're dividing the nation up by the fact that people are reasonably mobile, uh, where, you know, in, in in more ancient times, people weren't that didn't have that kind of mobility, but unless they were have some sort of mass migration. And now we're sort of self-selecting, and red areas are getting redder, and I think what you're saying, blue areas like parts of the Front Range are getting bluer, and uh, or until they'll they'll get blue until they just turn into a hole, I guess. But uh, yeah, and I also think that there there's something that you say about the immigration. Although we are seeing an interesting, we are seeing some interesting things, especially in Southern California, where they've had it going on a little longer than us, uh, where a lot of the uh, recent, more recent, and I would say first and second generation uh, immigrants from Mexico uh, are not, they're not in favor of illegal immigration and they do not like what's happening at the border and they do not like what's happening in their communities because the first place, a lot of the more undesirable people that are coming in, uh, in part of this immigration, legal immigration surge, go to are those communities. And so I think that's changing. I heard someone say, if you want to see the border get shut, 
start uh, waking the Democrats up to the fact that more Hispanics are voting Republican, and that'll stop the border. Um, it's it's like the Cubans. Oh, yeah. They they love immigration uh, on the left, but they don't like Cubans. You know, uh, Cubans show right. up. Cubans show up from uh, Cuba. They're going and, Republican. Yeah, yeah. They 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 know what it's like, they don't and like they don't, they don't want any part of it. And so, the Cuban American population down there in uh, in Miami and those the places in that area uh, are not big fans of uh, socialist government. So I think if that were to start changing, and it seems to be shifting, yeah, it might get some different ideas. However, as you know, what we're seeing at the border is a lot of people coming across the border aren't not from Mexico anymore, or not even from s- Central and South America. We got the Ukrainians coming in, you know, people from. Eastern Europe, uh, people from the Mideast, people from Africa, because it's, well, if you just get to Mexico, you can just walk in. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how that turns. But let's let's talk a little right. bit, a little about what can we do here locally. And I, I've beaten this, and I will continue to, with because <laughs> I think it's so important. You know, we, we've got to get organized at a basic level to pay attention to the first building blocks of government, and that's our, our local government units, commissioners, city councils, uh, you know, school boards especially important. And we're just waking up to that fact. And we all know that, uh, you know, the sort of uh, non-affiliated races for these things in Republican areas like Mesa County, Delta County, Montrose, those places, it just means try and elect Democrats because that's what happens. Yeah, the nonpartisan elections where yeah. their party affiliation isn't listed on the ballot. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a that's a joke. They Democrats came up with that just so they could say, "Oh, it's nonpartisan." You know, you uh, you can't get involved as a party, and then they do it in every way they can. Um, yeah, because we're the only ones who fall for that kind of nonsense. And and our party, uh, and I know that you, I mean you're a little busy, but you've been in, heavily involved in the Republican Party politics here in Mesa County got very heavily involved in the last school board election and had a tremendous success with it. Now, the Democrats are coming for that. They, they immediately got you know themselves in a tizzy and put uh, campaign spending limits on that. And in our own city council race, which has some of the most, whew, I don't even know what to say in terms of their uh, politics and say nothing about their abilities uh, on our uh, uh-huh. in our municipal election, they immediately flew around the coop, uh, smashing into the chicken wire, and uh, passed campaign spending limits for the council races because they were afraid people would put some money into these candidates. And I, that I think that's going to backfire, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But uh, what's your solution? And I'll tell you mine. we got about four minutes, sorry. For, for the uh, – well, yeah, I mean, for, for, the, for the council elections, you mean? Yeah, local stuff. Um, I mean, they, look – as long, you know, if they if the Democrats are losing whatever uh, city council or school board elections, um, then you know they're not they don't view them as nonpartisan. There's no such thing as a nonpartisan election, so they're going to dump as much money um, and effort into them as possible. And the only way that you know that you can counter that is to do the same on our side. Um, and you know, it just means that we commit money to those races and put a lot of effort into those races and and. You know, basically make it a partisan election uh, by informing, being, you know, informing voters who the Republican is on a ballot. Um, sometimes there's actually more than one, you know, because we don't have a primary for it or anything like that. Yeah, we have people uh, but who are. We just have to start treating them, treating those races differently. And and it's not like, oh, you know, 
I mean, a lot of times the city council race for me is, well, whoever has the cutest dog and, uh, you know, in their, in their advertising and, and can talk about how much they love the city the most, you know, and just platitudes like that, um, get elected. And people need to realize that there's a lot more at stake, um, in like city council elections than, you know, if the streets are clean or not. And there's a lot more at stake in school board elections than, um, you know, if they're, you know, how, how much taxes go up. There, there, there's a lot. I mean, your, your kids are at stake and stuff like that. And so, um, I don't know. People, people are just going to have to, uh, get out of their comfort zone and realize that if they want to be comfortable in whatever they want to, would rather do, you know, than being involved or at least voting and paying attention, they're going to have to be engaged again. You have to have an enlightened and engaged citizenry, um, or you're going to have really rotten government. And, you know, uh, right. well, there's lots of ways you, I would take the gun out of that, Alden. I would say we do have rotten government, and uh, it, we spend an enormous oh, yeah. amount of money. We get very little out of it, and a lot of what gets spent is counter to what we want or what is to our own best interests, except for people that have very weird and uh, unscientific, if you want to use their term, ideas about things. Here's what I think. I think what you're saying is exactly right, but how do you do all those things? Well, you need money. Because you're going to have to do some advertising. You're going to have to do circulars. You're going to have to get things out. And we're going to have to sponsor events. And in order to do that, you'll be able to put money in the races. Now, there's some campaign spending limits, but, I mean, they're still relatively high for most people out there if you want to choose candidates. I think it's 695 bucks. You know, that's a fair amount of money. <laughs> but, uh-huh. I mean, they can they can dump a lot of, a lot of in there from out of state. And my what I hear is that, there's a lot of outside money that's going to start filtering its way into these elections, particularly school board elections, because we got another one coming up here in Mesa County and other places uh, this November. And that there's a, there was a lot of alarm last time about what happened in Mesa County and Douglas County and a couple other places, and they are going to fix that, or they think they are. So we need to organize our own issue committees and so that we can do some, some outside spending within the boundaries of the law because we do have a Secretary of State that will jump all over you if you're conservatives and you're not doing anything just right, and you should do it just right anyway. And so we need to do that. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and so we get the word out. Now, if people want to make their mind up about it, if the, the person has you know, got, got the uh, mental acuity of a hamster and the scientific understanding of, of the world of a tapeworm, then they can vote for them. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll, I, I talk right. too much here, but I'd like getting a little input from, from you and some other people. Like, let's get you back on again in a few weeks and see how you're doing. And you take care of yourself, and you're a thoughtful guy, and I appreciate it. So take care out there, all right? Well, thanks, Rick. Great to talk okay. to you. We'll see you guys next week.